So do uh, my favorite Queen songs, can they be put in? <laughs> or are these just worship songs? Okay. I'd say let's expand it. Let's not just go with the top one. Let's go with maybe the top three or five over the next the course of the summer. Let's uh, make this worthwhile to get my vote in there. I'm wearing today uh, this fine shirt, not because I really like the color. Uh, in fact, it's abhorrent, really, the color. But it does stand out, and the reason I'm wearing it is because to, I want to uh, promote Adventure Camp Remix for a couple reasons. Yeah, woo! Woo! Not hoo-hoo. Woo! Uh, yeah. So uh, there's a couple reasons. One, we had a baptism today, and if you listen to what Xavier had to say, say, he said, it was the church that I went to and my parents and so he was, I think, 12, 13 in that. So he's talking about when he was this age, there were seeds planted into his life that eventually bore fruit and now is bearing more fruit. And it comes like God, it, God doesn't often work instantly. He often works through seeds and watering. That is the, the metaphor for God's working in our lives. God takes, often takes time, years to bring about fruit. But we plant in faith that others will water and God will bring an increase. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm wearing this because I believe in Julie and Andrea and those she has with her who are serving and providing an option to reach children, both those who don't know Christ and those who do, and help them to understand who Jesus is. The second reason I'm wearing this is because I'm so proud of our staff, in particular Julie and Andrea, who where many other churches around us have chosen not to do anything this summer, they pivoted and created a program that would allow them to reach out to kids. And I'm like, that's the kind of initiative and that's the kind of heart that I love to see. And so I, I, she said, Julie said, would you wear this shirt for me? And my first answer was no, look at the color of it. And then I thought, who was asking me? And I'm, absolutely, I'll wear that shirt. And so I'm just excited. I want to pray for them. Will you put your hands out? And we're going to pray whether you're online or whether you're in person. Just put your hands out. Jesus, we are praying for your spirit to be alive in Adventure Camp Remix in the hearts of children. We're praying that you would plant seed that you will water and bring increase to and lead children and their families to Jesus. We pray for those that know Jesus, that their heart and their love for Jesus will grow. And you'll plant seeds that in 10 and 20 years come back and bring and lead these youth when they're full adults to walk with you faithfully. And we pray for your protection. We pray for your spirit to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Greatest, I'm not sure this is the greatest sermon I've ever preached. Like, thanks for the lead up, Ashley. But it is an important one. And uh, I, I, I was, when I was thinking of this and how to introduce this, uh, I thought of a, an old, old illustration. I'm sure you've heard it. Uh, it's a story that keeps kicking around all the time. It's the story of a pastor who lived in a town, and the town was told there was rains coming down, and the floods were coming from the mountains, and it was going to flood, and everybody in the town was heading to higher ground, but the pastor said, no, we can trust God. And so he prayed, God, rescue me from this 
flood, and I'm going to wait here in faith that you'll answer my prayer. And so the waters rose, people left town, but he stayed, and one of his congregants, when the water was up to the first level of his house, came canoeing by and said, Pastor, jump in, and I'll take you to safety. No, I prayed, and I'm, that God will rescue me, and I'm waiting in faith for him to answer. And the waters kept rising, and then another friend came in a motorboat when the waters were up to the second story. Pastor, jump through the window, get in the boat, I'll take you to safety. No, I prayed for God to rescue me, and I'm waiting for him to answer. And the waters continued to rise until it forced the pastor out on the roof. A helicopter came by, a rope came down, and, and the guy yelled, put the harness on, we'll take you to safety. No, I pray God would rescue me, and I'm waiting in faith for him to answer. And the waters continued to rise, and the pastor drowned. So he got before Jesus, and he goes, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I prayed, and I, in faith, waited for you to answer, and nothing happened. And Jesus said, well, I sent a canoe, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more do you want me to do, right? And so you've heard that story, and the reason you keep hearing that story is this. The reason that we don't often hear God's voice isn't because he's not speaking. It's because we're not listening. God speaks all the time. But do you listen? See, when we start to feel like, I don't know if there's even a God, when we start to doubt what it is that we have been handed down through the scriptures and through the church and through the testimony of others around us, this faith, and we go, I'm not sure it really works. When we feel the weight of those worries, Ashley was leading us in worship and said, just lay it down. When we feel the weight of those things in our lives and the issues and circumstances are overwhelming and we do not have the strength or the power to keep moving on, when we feel that maybe it's because, not maybe, I think it's because we're not listening. You see, God never said, when you become a follower of me, I will remove all hard things from your life. Rather, he said, I will walk with you even in the valley of the shadow of death. When things are so bad that you feel, all you feel is death around you, inside and out, I'll be there. And this is what I have discovered, that it is the voice of God that breathes strength and life and hope and comfort into our souls. As the voice of God created all things by his word, so the voice of God creates newness when we receive it. But the problem is, I should say the problem is not that God isn't speaking, the problem is we're not listening. Now, I'm guessing that some of you are thinking, well, okay, hold on, time out here, pastor. I don't know that I hear God speaking too much in my life. How does he speak to us? At least make that clear to me. Well, that's a very good question. The first scripture I want to go to, there's two ways that God speaks to us as individuals and human beings. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture, all of it, is God-breathed. So God's voice and God's power 
and God's presence is breathed out through those who wrote it so that the, what we have here is the mind and the heart of God. And it's useful for teaching us the right paths to walk to understand life and how it's going down, to deal with the decisions and circumstances we face. It's useful for rebuking us when we get off those right paths, when we're making bad decisions. It's, it's good for showing us that, 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 correcting us and showing us how to get back on the right path, how to make a good decision now that we made a bad one, how to restore that relationship, how to repair that damage that we've done. It's, it's useful for not just telling us the right way and rebuking us when we're up, but then helping us get back on the right way and training us in righteousness how to continue to walk in a way that honors God, is pleasing to him, and brings honor to him. See, the word of God, the first way he speaks is through the objective word of God that comes through the Bible. It is the mind. It is the heart. It is what God thinks about thousands of topics that we face daily. We forget this. You name it, and it seems God somehow speaks about it. You wonder about sex? It's all through this book, what God's expectations are, how it helps us, how it's to be used, how it's not to be used, how what we do when we've hurt other people through it, how we can control it in our lives. All of that is touched on through the Word of God. You want to wonder about work? how you should handle yourself at work, why work is important, what your attitudes toward it should be, what you do when you don't have it, you wonder about all that, then God speaks about work all through his Bible. You wonder about parenting. You wonder about, I didn't have, a, kidding when you're a kid, how you be a kid, kidding. When parenting or kidding, like there's expectation, there's guidance, there's encouragement for both of these things. If you have any children or you have a parent, then you are going through this daily. And the word God is full of wisdom and help. You wonder about vengeance about those who hurt you. You wonder how you deal with those who hurt you. You wonder about forgiveness. You, you, you wonder about decisions that you have to make. There's a whole book that talks about all kinds of decisions and the right way to handle them. And, and from decisions about who we associate to how we handle ourselves in, in work, how we handle ourselves with one another, decisions we make about the future, decisions we make about the whole book, just one book on decisions, 31 chapters. If you don't think that God's word speaks to specific circumstances and issues in your life, the only explanation I have for that is you don't read it. It's all. It's there. It's not that God isn't speaking to us. It's that we're not listening. Now, one of the reasons why I think we don't read it and expose ourselves to the Word of God. Though, by the way, whether you're online or you're here, you're exposing yourself to the Word of God right now. Kudos to you. There are a lot of people that don't tune in or come to church who claim to be Christians. 
So kudos to you that you are taking the effort and sacrificing to come to worship God and hear from him. But one of the reasons I think we're, we're getting less and less respect for the word of God is we've forgotten that it is the source of authority in our lives. And by that I mean out of the word of God, God's word to us is the authority that he has given us to know how we ought to live. Not authority that we use, authority that we submit to. The word of God is the source of authority for our beliefs and for our values and our behaviors and our action and our thinking. The word of God directs us what is good and true and righteous and we submit to it. But we live in a culture right now, I don't know if you realize this, but our culture has replaced, and I'm not talking about non-Christians because that isn't their source of authority. They've never bowed their knee to Christ. I'm talking to those who said, yeah, I'm gonna follow Jesus. But we have been, the word of God and its source of authority in our life has been usurped by the values of our culture. On issues in our culture. What do you mean? What I mean by that is how we view abortion, how we view homosexuality, how we view gender transitions, how we view vengeance, how we view family, how we view money, how we view sex, how we view hell and heaven. The teaching of our culture is radically different than the teaching of God. So much so that if you attempt to submit your life to the teaching and instruction of the Word of God, you will feel uncomfortable at times in our culture, or you will feel uncomfortable with yourself because the values that we are adopting are coming from the families that we grew up in, or what, we're here, what we heard in school or university, or what we get from the books that we read, or the TV that we watch, or the movies that we watch, or, or just the general culture of people around us in media telling us what is right and what is acceptable. And if you take the Word of God and you live by those values and submit yourself to its authority, it will be uncomfortable both in the culture at times, but in your own soul, depending on how much you have submitted to the culture around you. And I think we avoid the word of God because at times it is so starkly different that it becomes difficult to fit into the culture and to absorb the word of God and so we get rid of it because it just makes us feel uncomfortable. And then we believe that, yeah, it's, it's an old book. It was for a different time. It's archaic. You have to be unscientific to believe these kinds of things, blah, 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 blah. And the list goes on. <laughs> and to that, God just says, this is my word. And when we say, well, I'm going to pick and choose the things from this I believe and then the other stuff, you know, I'll, I'll pick and choose. We are saying, God, you will submit to me and I will rule my life. I will choose what from you I will believe and what I will live by and what I will accept. And the rest, I'll choose from something else. That's normal in our culture, by the way. You might even not know you do it. I don't even know when I'm doing it all the time. It's the water we fish swim in. But when we say to God, no, I'm going to take something different than what you say, 
We're saying to God, you submit to us. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did. And how'd that turn out for them? And so I would say the objective, truth-filled, mind of God-filled, heart of God-filled, word of God, is the source of authority for our lives, and I would challenge you to start reading it. Make it regular part of your life. Read it. Know it. If you want to know the power, and then do it. You want to have power of God in your life? Because we all go through these periods of time where we're like, oh, where's God in our life? You start reading it and obeying it, you won't ever wonder about where God is in your life. You have such fire whelming up in you through obedience to his word. You won't be able to handle it. Obedience is the gateway through which God brings his presence. When he gives us his word and we obey it, his presence follows. So he speaks to us through the word of God, the objective, general truth for our world. And we choose whether or not we're going to submit to it. Now he also speaks to us another way. If you go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 19, now, speaking of, Xavier was speaking of Sunday school and venture camp. You'll, if you've gone through Sunday school and uh, you've probably run across this story before, it's of Elijah. I didn't ever went to Sunday school. Well, I did, but they didn't really teach the Bible. And, uh, and I wasn't allowed to stay long enough to really get, if they taught the Bible, I was usually pretty soon I was finding my way out the door. But, and see, you never know. See, the worst kids can sometimes end up to be pastors. And you're getting what you deserve, by the way. You got the worst pastors because that's what, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going off here. Let me um, recover this. I just, I kind of went down. See, so if you ever public speaking, you start going down a trail, and then you go, uh-oh, I'm in trouble here. I'm saying things I don't really think. That's what just happened here. So I'm going to back up and just forget about all that. And this is a story that, that, uh, of Elijah, who was a powerful prophet, and he was discouraged after doing the wonderful work of God. And then the, the, the leadership of the country turned against him, and he ran for his life, and he finds himself way out in the desert. Happens to be Mount Sinai, where the children of Israel went centuries before that. And he complains to God. He goes, uh, God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Great question. How'd you end up here? And here's his answer. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Now, I'm not going to make fun of how he's feeling. I have never had the power or the influence that Elijah had, and I've never had the tests that he'd had and I have felt that way at times. And Elijah has, has been at the forefront of attack and abuse and hatred. And he's had it. He, he's done. His resources are over and he's run and he's like, I, I, I'm the only, I can't take it anymore. Now look at what God gives him to restore and heal him. The Lord said, go out, stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. I am going to give you my presence. That's God's answer to our brokenness, our hurt, our pain, is his presence, his word. 
because in his presence, he heals in ways that we don't understand. And in his word comes strength that we don't have. And when he speaks to us, the understanding of his love grows deeper in us in a way we don't understand. It's his presence. It's his word. So then he's going to pass by. So Elijah goes out. He stands there. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before him. Like a, and the Lord was not in the wood. Like a tornado goes by. And you can imagine sh- like throwing rocks and everything, dust and, and stuff moving through and, and probably the odd cow being thrown. You know, you see that in tornadoes. And, and God says, no, I'm not him. Then after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the... You you can't ignore an earthquake. Everything trembling, rocks falling down, him wondering, am I going to be covered? Things are going unsteady. No, I'm not in that. And after the earthquake, a fire, a fire that's scorching and moving and roaring and hot, and God says, no, I'm not in that either. And after the fire came a... After that came a gentle whisper. And then when Elijah heard the whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out, and stood at the mouth of the cave to talk with God. Now what I find interesting about this, there's a lot of things in that passage I find interesting, but the one I want to highlight is this. You can't miss a tornado, an earthquake, or a roaring fire. You don't miss those things. You don't even have to listen for them. They will find you. If they're around you, you know it. You hear it. But you can miss a whisper. You're not listening. It's easy to miss a whisper. Easy. And that's where God's voice is. Not in the big thing. When I hear God's voice, it's a whisper. So God speaks to us objectively through his word, but he also speaks subjectively into our souls. That's why A.W. Tozer, one of the greats of Western Christianity, said that the soul has eyes and ears with which to comprehend God. We are built so that we can hear God and see God, even though physically we don't see him or audibly don't hear him. Not usually anyway. But we can, he, God is a spirit and he communicates with our spirit and we can hear and understand him if we are listening. And he speaks in a whisper. Which is easy, by the way, to miss. Now, the beauty of the Word of God is that it gives us truth in black and white and clear, so we can read it. And the the way that these two work together is we have the objective Word of God, and then we have the whispers in our spirit, and God will whisper nothing to us that that contradicts the Word of God. In fact, Charles Wesley, another great, uh, (laughs) big-time great, of the Christianity in the Western culture, said, you know, when I get these promptings in my spirit, 
I know that they can come from God, they can come from Satan, or they can come from me, so I have to discern which one they are. And so nothing that comes a prompting that we believe is from God, if it's not consistent with the Word of God, then it's not from God. And so that has led denominations like ours to say, well, why worry about the spirit? Because it can be so confusing and, you know, the whisper thing and it's hard to get at. Let's just not even pay attention to that. We have the word of God. That's all we need. And, and so why do we even need to talk about the whispering of God's spirit in us and listening to God's voice in our lives, that subjective voice? We have the objective word of God that speaks to thousands of different things. What more do we need? Well, I'll answer that question by you answering this question. Why is it today, in a day when we have Instagram and TikTok and, and we have FaceTime and we have Facebook and we have email and we have texting and we have phones in which we can call, why is it with all this technology that puts people ability to, to communicate with one another at such a high level, there's nothing you can't communicate to another person through all the means that we have. Why, you could even write a letter today still. And so you can, you can all, we have all the, why is it that long distance relationships with all of those tools still have such a high failure rate? Why is it so hard for people who are separated physically by space, like a lot of it, that, that over time, if they're not together, even though they have all these tools, FaceTime, Facebook, all that, they can share their lives with one another, how come long-distance relationships have such a high failure rate with all those tools? It's not that long-distance relationships can't work, but they're hard. And the longer they go, the more difficult it becomes. There's such a high uh, uh, failure rate because relationships aren't just built on mental exchange. Relationships require mental exchange, but they also require emotional exchange. That's how our best relationships work. Our mind and our heart are engaged with another person. We don't just need their ideas, we need their presence. We don't just want to think the same, we want to feel the same. We don't just want to interact about what we're thinking, but what we're feeling. That's how relationships work. And we are, by the way, in a relationship with God. God does just, doesn't only relate intellectually through the truth. He does. This is an important part of our relationship with God. It's huge. It's half the way we have a relationship. But the other way God relates is by speaking subjectively, whispering to our souls. And I don't think that God has stopped. I mean, Elijah's story is just one of the many in Scripture of God speaking to his people. I don't think he's stopped. I think it's we've stopped listening. This is why Jesus said this. There's some interesting sayings. <laughs> well, there's an understatement. Interesting sayings that Jesus has made. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 25. Jesus is talking to uh, the religious leaders. I did tell you, but you, I did tell you, like they ask, are you the Messiah? He goes, I did tell you, but you don't believe me. You don't hear what I'm saying to you. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. A tender term 
for a shepherd for his sheep. It's a tender term that Jesus is. You're not those that belong to my flock. And then he says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Experiential knowledge, not just head knowledge. That's what that word means. I know them by experience. I know them by relationship, and they follow me. When we walk with Jesus, there is a relational component. We are relational, and there is an emotional component that happens when he speaks. And you go, oh, no, I, I don't believe that. Well, yeah. Well, turn over to John chapter 14 and verse 21. And Jesus says, whoever has my commands, whoever has this, and keeps them, that is the person that loves me. Oh, that's how we show you our love? Is by keeping your commands? Uh-huh. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Well, what's that mean? It means the whispers of Elijah are the whispers of Jesus to his people. I don't think God stopped whispering. I think we've stopped listening. So several years ago, I was reading this book, and they, it was a pastor leader who wrote a book on leading a church. Um, and he said, you know, there's a dearth of vision in our churches. And I've heard this from him, but many other speakers, and uh, I see it all through Scripture, that God gives leaders to churches, and one of the reasons he does that is that they might bring a vision for that church, for those people of God, to know what God's assignment for them is over the next period of time, whatever that period of time is. And he was saying the problem with many of our churches is that the pastors and leaders don't have a vision for what God is calling them to do, uniquely calling them to do. They haven't heard that vision from God. And I was like, well, how do you get a vision? So I keep reading, and he's like, you need to hear God speak to you about the church that you're at. And so I came away from that book, and I was deeply convicted that, God, I have not been given vision to this church, and I need to hear it from you. I don't want to give them a vision I think that this church should have. I need one from you. And so I began to seek God, elongated times of prayer, reading his word, talking to God about what I was thinking, working through it, writing it down, talking to other people, getting knowledge and understanding about the church and trying to understand deeper what has happened in the past. Where do I sense God saying we should be leading? And through that, I came to a sense that God was calling us to double our impact, which is why we say that now. And this is where it all came out of. I got, at that time of listening to God, I got a sense that God was saying, I started this 40 years ago, and the building that you were in is a, is a representation of what I want to do in this region for the kingdom of Jesus. 
I'm like, oh, okay. And I began to understand where, why the building was built and how the steps were over the last 40 years from purchasing the land to building out there and then building again. I always wondered, why did they build a building like this so big? We're only a church of 500, man. You could see 1,000 people in this. And it occurred to me, duh, God is calling us to be the people of God, to be people of prayer that are calling out on God, to go deeper with God, to be people who build on the strengths of this church that he's given in the past, the kids' ministry and the youth ministry, so that our kids and youth are coming to Christ and then growing in their faith and standing for Jesus in their schools and their neighborhoods, their families, their sports teams, and that the, the adults would lead the way as we connect with one another and grow in our faith and that we would have a, a hunger for the word of God but a heart for people that are lost and that we would join God in his mission and all this was going for in my mind and I'm like well what does it mean and then then I, 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 I like I sat down and realized well obviously this church building that's you know we're half full he wants us to double it that that's why he led people to build it he wants us to get on mission so remember I said Charles Wesley said any impact, any sense of prompting from can be from yourself, it can be from Satan, it can be from God. And I'm like, why am I bringing this to people because I don't know if it's from God, so I took it to the elders. And for three months, we as elders sought God, read the word, prayed together, discussed, changed the S, the, some of the things that had come out of my time with God and and after three months, all the elders signed off and said, yeah, I believe this is God whispering trust. Now, if you were to look in the word, the objective word of God, there's nowhere in here that says, Springvale, double your impact. There's a lot in here about prayer. There's a lot in here about caring for people in our community. There's a lot in here about discipling one another, our children, our youth, our adults. There's a lot in there about hungering for the word of God. There's a lot in here about being so broken for people that don't know Jesus that we just move out in prayer and, and, and pray for God to work through us. There's a lot of that, but there's no double your impact in you know, 2025. But we came away from that because we believe the Spirit had led us into that. And there are times when I'm talking about this vision, I know that some people are going, yeah, I, whatever. And I had to struggle with that, and God just reaffirmed to me, you don't worry about what people think. You just do what I tell you to do. My job is to work with them. And you just do what you're supposed to do. You just keep leading the best that you can, seeking me, and I will change the hearts so that there's a humility in prayer at Springvale. There's a hunger for my word, and there's a heart for people who are lost. I will do that. You just do what I've told you to do, and let me worry about everybody else. You talk about freedom. And it came because I sought to hear the voice of God, and we as elders sought to hear the voice of God. I think the same is true for you as individuals. You wonder to do about, 
What do I do about my kids? What do I do about my job? What do I do about uh, the conflict that I'm having at work? What do I do about the person that hurt me? What do I do about the person I hurt? What do I do with my money? What do I do about this vision at the church that they keep talking about? What do I do? And, and, and the Word of God guides you and with principles, but so does the whisper of the Spirit. But if you're not listening for God's voice in your life, which, by the way, happens most commonly, almost more than 90% of the times when I'm reading and meditating on the word and praying. It's when I hear the whisper of God the most. If you're not listening to the word, well, you're not hearing the whispers. You're not hearing the voice of God that brings comfort and strength and hope and encouragement and power and light and endurance and perseverance and healing. You're not hearing that which makes for a pretty empty faith. So, all of that to say, so listen. So listen. Put yourself in a place. In fact, this summer, I'm gonna challenge you. You wanna go on an adventure with God? Here, here's your adventure. Join me. Take at least 30 minutes a day where you're gonna set aside to meet with God. You'll miss some, no big deal, but, but 30 minutes a day where you're going to meet with God. In that time, open up the Word of God and read through it slowly, meditatingly. If you want to get through three verses, don't worry about how much you get done. Worry about, am I connecting with God and listening in the Word for what He wants to say? In fact, if you don't know where to read, join with us. Springville, we're doing the Love Others uh, devotional for them in the summer. Well, pick it up and join me as I go through it and join others as they go through it and use that as your guide to focus your mind. I mean, you have to love others. That can't be bad. I mean, it's the greatest commandment. Love God, love others. So, hey, yeah, I'm going to grow in this and I'm going to work my way through this and I'm going to take time to read slowly through the verses and think on them and ask God, what do you mean by that and what does it mean for me? And then take time, some of that time to, prayer, uh, to pray. Yeah, you might have prayer requests. You might have things that you go ahead pray that but leave time to say now God I just read your word what are you saying to me is there anything you want to whisper to me and then listen listen as you meditate listen as you quietly sit before God for a few minutes say impress me with anything you want to and then I would say at those it doesn't God doesn't always uh, I gotta say over the last little while I walk away from my morning devotions almost 90% of the time sensing God is with me, and that wasn't always the way it was. I don't know why. I, I think it's the consistency, I'm more consistent, and I'm sp spending more time doing what I'm talking about, listening for the voice of God. And then when God speaks to you about something, go do it. Just go do it. You may need to go to somebody and say, like, is this wise? Like, is this from God, do you think? But obey. You want an adventure this summer? Go on that spiritual adventure. I'm telling you right now, at the end of this summer, you will not be feeling like, where is God? He's not in my life. He's not helping me. I don't have any power. I can't get to. You will be overwhelmed with how God will show up in your life. Because the problem isn't God is not speaking. The problem is I'm not listening. Jesus, I pray that this word will go to the hearts, our hearts. We will be different people because of what you 
will do in us. I pray for you to help people to say, I'm going to do that devotional this, this summer. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to set aside time. I'm going to seek God that I might know him and hear from him and hear his voice. God, there's people who have deep hurts and deep, needing deep healing and needing your direction and needing help in dealing with a difficult marriage or difficult parenting situation or being single and asking you for strength to be a person of godliness in the midst of their single. There's a whole bunch of things happening that your voice, when spoken, changes and enables us to walk with you. And so, God, I pray that prayer over your people that they may live a life honoring to you and may please you in every way. Speak, God, I pray, as we seek you. Amen. Amen. I want to invite everyone to